Thank you for listening to CG Life with Steve Quartz. It's my hope that today's message will help you find and live the extraordinary life Jesus gives. After listening to this podcast, I'd like to invite you to connect with me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram for more updates and resources. It's great to see you today. I'm glad you're with us. I want to say hello to all of our folks gathered at Sherwood Forest and also to everyone who is joining us online today. You know, one of the uh, experiences of this COVID pandemic is, is the experience of feeling unsettled. None of us likes it. Actually, we hate it. We don't like feeling unsettled. We want to feel settled. We want to stay settled. To be unsettled is to, to be off balance, and it is to have a sense that you don't know exactly where you are, but even more importantly, of where you and your life are going. We love normal. We hate unsettled. Uh, most of us, when we feel unsettled, we, we immediately revert to a kind of self-evaluation. We, we try to figure out where we are now, and we try to figure out where it is we want to go, where we want to head so that we can go from being unsettled and restless and whatnot to, to, to go to a place where we can be settled and rest it. So we're, we're asking, we start to ask questions like, you know, where am I? Where am I going? And then we ask the question, how, how can I get there in the belief, in the belief that if we could just get to the right place, then finally life will be as it should be and it will stay that way. Try this sometime. Ask somebody how they're doing. Someone who will actually say something more than fine. And you watch and see what happens. Typically what happens is when you ask a person that trusts you and they'll, they'll open up to you, you say, oh, how are you doing? They will tell you about something that they are going through. And the idea behind it is I am going through this, but as soon as I can get through this, my hope is that I will be here. And once I'm here, then I will be settled and life will be good. We human beings are always experiencing life as something we're going through in order to get to a better place. And that's one of the myths of our culture, particularly in America, and that is that uh, we can be at rest and everything can be settled if we can just get through what we're going through and come out at a better place. So we're always trying to get through getting married, get through school, get through buying a house, get through finding a job, get through a pregnancy, get through raising kids, uh, get through work to retirement. Most of us spend a lot of our lives just trying to get through. And a lot of that is simply a reaction to our own sense of unsettledness uh, and our restlessness. Uh, if you think about it, you probably look at your week that way. I'm just trying to get through the week so that I can get to the weekend. I'm just trying to get through the week so that I can get through to the weekend. Whatever it is, we're always trying to get somewhere else. We're always trying to land somewhere better, to a place where there isn't any stress, much rest, happiness. 
where everything is as it should be. And of course, you know this, right? Uh, the problem is this never happens. You can get through the week to the weekend, but guess what? After every weekend, there's another week to get through so that you can land at the next weekend. We, we think that we're supposed to be settled. But I want to ask the question this morning, what if in this life, with a pandemic or without, what if in this life we aren't really supposed to be settled? What if the point of life isn't to get through it and then somehow finally settle down? What if settling down is actually for later and not for now? The Apostle Paul seemed to think so. In fact, the New Testament teaches that Christians in some ways are just like everyone else. They are on a journey. Uh, we're all, all of humanity, we're making our way through a kind of wilderness where uh, what is settled and what is normal and, and uh, uh, is unsettled and out of reach. The difference is, though, that Christians aren't like everyone else in that they don't respond or they don't have to respond to this constant feeling of being unsettled, of being restless. They don't have to respond to that by evaluating their lives and, and asking the question constantly, where to next? How can I get to a better place? They, they don't have to, and in reality, they shouldn't. In an unexpected way, feeling unsettled is actually another gift from God to all people and particularly to his people for the journey that they're on. And so today I want to talk with you about why it's not only okay for a believer to be unsettled, it's actually good for us. And so I want you to take your Bibles, find a Bible, turn with me this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at uh, verses 5 through uh, 10. Last week, we saw at the uh, close of 2 Corinthians 4, we saw how it is that in the hard times, our souls can make their greatest advances. That while our bodies might be declining and growing weaker, uh, by dependence on God's grace, our souls can actually be growing stronger while our bodies are growing uh, weaker. By turning to God in those suffering times, we can receive three gifts that God gives. The gift of something to believe about suffering, that it actually accomplishes some good. Something to focus on in the midst of, of suffering, and that is the Christ who is our inheritance. And he gives us something to remember about suffering, and that is that suffering doesn't last. What we find happening here in our passage is that Paul moves next to share an additional gift that God gives to his people. It's part of the glory that is lasting and eternal and unseen but coming to them. In fact, it is one of the greatest gifts of glory that God gives to his people. And so Paul, after explaining that he lives in hardship and he's looking not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen, and after explaining at the end of chapter 4 uh, why that is, saying for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal, Paul turns in, in, first, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, to say this. He says, for we know that if the tent, which is our earthly home, is destroyed, we have a building from God, 
a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. And he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So, Paul says, we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Now, I want you to notice with me almost immediately that Paul does three things here in this passage. He makes a confession, he offers an explanation, and then he bears testimony to God's confirmation of his confession. All three are centered on the idea of a home that is both not yet and at the same time ready for believers. And Paul shares five realities that taken together give him hope and give him a future like nothing else can. They are the same five realities that give believers today hope and give them a view of their future as well. What are they? Here they are. Reality one is that the home that we have is not the home that we need. Secondly, that the home we need is a home we cannot build. The third reality that Paul presents us with is that the home we can't build is the home God provides. The fourth reality is this, the home God provides is what we long for most. And the final reality is the home we long for, God unconditionally guarantees. I want us to look at each of these five realities for they are part of our journey as followers of Jesus and one of the great sources of courage and confidence and hope that we have in Christ. Look with me first of all at verse one. Paul says, here's a first reality that, that I'm confessing, I acknowledge. He says, the home that we have is not the home we need. I live in this reality. Uh, used to be a long time ago that it was pretty normal to go into a home, into someone's living room or maybe into their kitchen or their den and see a little placard uh, made any number of different ways that read, home, sweet home. It uh, was common because it expresses a common longing and a common desire that human beings have and share. It is just this longing for something we call home. Most of us realize that a house doesn't make a home, that a, a house, a, a simple building may provide protection from the elements, but it really doesn't give us what we long for when we talk about, when we think about the, the idea of home. A home is a place for, for us that is uh, very different from just a house. It is a place that consistently gives us acceptance and care emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally. It is a place that gives us a sense of belonging. 
So in our culture, we make a pretty clear distinction between a house that is just a building and a home that brings us fulfillment. In the Bible, the, the scripture uses both of those words uh, interchangeably, even when it's speaking of what we mean when we say or talk about home. It, 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 it has to do with that place that gives us fulfillment, acceptance and care and belonging. So with that in mind, I want you to look with me at this home that we have that Paul says is not the home that we need. Look at verse 1. Paul says, for we know that if the tent, which is, he says, our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God. I want to confess something to you. He says, I know that if and when I die, and I will die, God has something for me in the waiting. But notice what this confession actually says at the very beginning. He says, our physical bodies, where we live now, uh, are our homes, but they make very poor homes. Why? Because he says they're really like tents. They don't last. They can't be counted on to stand and stay. They don't give us all we need from the place that we call home. They don't provide us with, with what we think of when we think of home. And yet these bodies are here and now our homes. We need a place where we are expected and wanted, a place that is settled and secure. And so Paul is saying this home that we have, really this, this physical body is just, just a tent. It isn't the home we need because in the end, it's going to be destroyed. And in the end, we're going to be homeless. This earthly home, this tent of a body can be and will be destroyed one day in a moment. It can provide all that we need. This is an important reality Paul points us to right from the beginning. Some call it a dark reality, and I suppose it is. But here's what this means. This is what this means, not only for you and me, but from, 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 uh, for everyone around us, everyone we've ever met, everyone we know now, everyone we, we will meet in the future. Every single one of us is living in a home that we know is going to fail us and leave us homeless. And that means that every person we meet, every person we know, every person we will meet, and, and it means that we ourselves are longing and looking for something more than what we have. And we are unsettled until we find it. But as we've said, we can't find it. And, and this is what explains our fear. It explains so much of our anxiety. It explains so much of our restlessness. We need a home that we don't have. And we try to overcome this reality by building for ourselves a life that can be the home we need. In fact, the, the human story really is about us trying to overcome this home that we have that isn't secure, that isn't safe, and, and trying to build into this life we have things that will give us the security and safety we, we, we want and that we need. That brings us up against a second reality that Paul points to at the end of verse 1. And that is this, the home we need is the home we can't build. Paul says, 
to believers. While we have a, a, a physical home that will fail us, the good news for us is we have a building from God. But notice what he says about that building. A house, he describes it this way, a house not made with hands, but a house that is eternal in the heavens. You'll notice something with me that Paul's confession comes with a second admission. Not only is, is, is he admitting that the house that he has is not the house that he needs, he's also admitting that the house that he has and that you have and that I have is one that can't be, the one that we need is one that can't be made by human hands. It's, it's, it's not something we can give ourselves. Why? Well, for two reasons. First of all, it is a house we can't provide for ourselves because nothing we do to build a life for ourselves ever lasts. And secondly, because nothing we do to build a life for ourselves ever really satisfies. Nothing we possess uh, belongs to us really or stays with us. Nothing we accomplished remains or is ever remembered. There isn't a treasure that can't be destroyed or that won't be given up that we might use thinking now that it can give us life and can give us the life we need. There's no greatness that we can accomplish that doesn't fade. What is more, Paul says, nothing we do to build a life for ourselves satisfies. I love the way uh, the last uh, empress of uh, France before the revolution put it, Marie Antoinette. She said, speaking of, of a life that was full of everything a person could want or dream of, she said of her life, nothing tastes, nothing tastes, nothing satisfies. It is the testimony of every human being when we're really honest. Everything we try, everything we think that will satisfy us and give us the life we need ends up not tasting, not tasting. It's a sad reality of how we're taught this. Uh, if, you, if you consider with me just for a moment, when we're really young, uh, part of what's happening to us is we're learning what life is all about. And we learn it primarily from first our parents and then from teachers and others who are influential in our lives. And we watch them. And, and part of what we're doing as we're growing up is we're watching our parents and other people of influence and we're asking them without asking them, all right, what, what makes life work? What makes life worth living? Um, uh, what is it that we need to have in life to, to allow us to be settled, to be safe, not to be restless? What, what is it that, that we need in life to be truly happy? And whatever ambitions our parents have and others of influence have, whatever uh, actions they take uh, are what tell us uh, and give us clues to what life is really all about. And by the way, parents, this is so critical. Be very careful how you live your life in front of your children because you are saying to them again and again and again, this is how you build a life. If you pursue wealth, you're telling your children life is all about money. If you pursue uh, love or you pursue the perfect relationship, what you're telling your children is that the only way to really have a life is to have a perfect relationship, a perfect relationship with your spouse or, or, or whomever. But you're saying to them, this is how you build a life. Uh, you, you, travel gives life meaning. Uh, 
Learning gives life meaning, education, fame, power, whatever it is. The idea that we convey to our children if we're not careful and the idea that's been conveyed to us is that there is a home. There is a home that we need, that we can build if we try hard enough. And so we try and we try and we try, but it doesn't come. It never comes. In fact, it can't come. Why? Because nothing we do really lasts and because nothing we do ever really satisfies. And so most of us, sooner or later in life, we give up. We, we, we let it go. Some of us call life a, a cruel joke. Some of us simply resign ourselves to it all and say, well, whatever it is, what it is. But perhaps, perhaps, all of this is by design. What if we can't build this house that we need? What if wealth and fame and power uh, comfort, relationships. What if none of these things really were meant to provide us with the life, the home we've always needed? What if we weren't meant to find home here? What if the house we need and, and the house we can't build can actually be found, but what if it's found in that one place that we all refuse to look for it. What if, and this brings us to reality three, the home we cannot build is actually the home that God provides. Paul says here at the end of verse one that while all human beings have a tent that doesn't last, believers have been given a home, that home that all human beings need a building or a home from God, a house not made with hands, but one that is eternal in the heavens. And so to Paul's uh, confession and his two admissions, there comes this declaration. He says to the Corinthian believers, we have a building from God. What we need, but we can't build for ourselves that, that home that all human beings look for is a home that believers already possess in the heavens because it is God who has built it for them. This building that God uh, provides is, is a, a life, a home that meets all of our conditions, all of our needs. It lasts because it is eternal and it satisfies because it is from him. And do you notice this in this, at the end of this verse, it, it is lived with him in the heavens. Now, what is it exactly? Well, to put it in the shortest form I can, the home that God has prepared for us in the heavens is a new body made from the old. It is that body that was won for believers by Jesus. It is that body that is secure and safe and lasts forever. And it is like Jesus' body, both old and new. It is the old body 
resurrected with the same power that resurrected Jesus. It is the old body made new like the new form of Jesus' body. And it is a body that Paul says God has for us now, but is coming to us later. It comes when the resurrected Jesus comes. And I love the way the Apostle Paul puts it in 1 John 3, 2. John says, Beloved, we are God's children right now. And what we will be, though, has not yet appeared. But we know that when he, Christ, appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. What John is saying is, is this, what we are is plain. We are God's children. But what we will be isn't so plain because it hasn't come yet and we haven't seen it yet. But what we know is this, that when Jesus comes again, we will find that we are like him, we are transformed to be like him, and uh, that the very sight of him at his return will make us physically and morally just like he is now. Never sick, never old, never dying, never weak, never imperfect, and free of sin and free of sinfulness. And what all of this means is simply this, that feeling unsettled, feeling restless, isn't the the problem you and I tend to think it is. It is actually a pointer to a far greater problem and to a far greater solution that God has given us for life. And that is captured in a fourth reality Reality four is that the home God provides is what we long most for. Look with me at verses two to four. Paul says, for in this tent, this this physical body, this, this earthly home, we groan. And we groan longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, that building from God. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. Or we might say, so that by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we're still in this tent, this physical body, we groan being burdened, not that we would be unclothed. We don't want to be souls without bodies. That's one of our great fears. But that we we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. And so to his confession of hope and faith for the future, Paul adds this explanation. And he says that all of our unsettledness, all of our restlessness, all of our fear of death are really nothing more than homesickness, a longing for the home we've always needed and always wanted, but could never build and despaired we would ever find. God's gift of a home is is actually his answer to our homesickness, and it explains our homesickness. We were originally made to live. We were originally made to be swallowed up with life, not by death, but the fall, the fall changed everything. We lost our innocence, we lost our home, we lost our hope, and where we had eternal life, that was turned to eternal death when Adam and Eve chose to sin, and we've perpetuated that. 
And as a result of that, we came to have this extraordinary fear. The fear of being found naked, of being uh, a soul without a body, a soul without a sure home. Faced with a specter of a dying body, of a soul that would not have a place to dwell. We live in this life longing for more and groaning for help. We were made to live forever in a body that lives forever in the presence of God. And here's the truth. While we may be frustrated with our bodies, while they may let us down because of their sickness, uh, because of their inabilities, whatever. The truth is that in our heart of hearts, we don't want to lose these bodies. We fear losing these bodies. They are actually good. They're a part of us. They're a gift from God to us. And he's given them to us for a reason. What we need more than anything is not for God to take away this body and discard it. We don't long for this body to go away. What we need and what we long for and what we groan for is for God to remake our bodies so that they become what he originally meant them to be, that they uh, become uh, what he desired them to be from the start, but even better. And so we need to act, as, as Paul puts it here, not so that we would be unclothed. We need God to act not so that we become souls without bodies, but we need God to act that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal might be swallowed up by life. We need God to give us a life that is eternal that we can put on like an overcoat over our bodies, one that would permeate these dying bodies with life and make them new. We need God to infuse them, permeate them with the life that he intended from the beginning. So the fall changed everything. And it explains our homesickness, our restlessness, our unsettledness. It explains our fear. But here is the, that good news. Jesus came. And while the fall changed everything, Jesus came and he changed everything back. God has given to those who are his children a heavenly dwelling, Paul says, to put on over this bodily tent so that what is mortal might be swallowed up by life. And when we have that life, that body, in God's presence, it's then that we will finally and, and fully be home. It's then that we will be finally and fully protected and accepted and cared for and wanted and expected. It's then that we'll finally know life. And on that day, we will find ourselves saying, I was made for this. Truly, 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 I was made for this. And you were and you are. And what this means is something that Paul did not forget and that you and I always need to bear in mind. This is not it. This is not 
home. This world is not the home God intended. These bodies are not the home God intended. But here's the reality. Your heart that has been so hungry, so longing, groaning all the time, feeling unsettled, feeling restless, feeling fearful. Your your heart hasn't lied to you, not once in that matter. Your heart's told you again and again and again that you were made and meant for more, and your heart was right. Your heart has lied to you, though, when it's told you that the home you need is a home you can find here and a home that you can build. You see, at the end of the day, what you and I long most for is God. In the end, God is our home. Right from the very beginning, if you'll recall with me in Genesis, the story of creation was not of God making everything that we see and then abandoning it, but the picture is a powerful picture of God coming regularly in the cool of the day to walk with Adam and to walk with Eve and to fellowship and commune with them. God gave them a home. He gave them bodies that were made for eternity in a world that was made to last, in a fellowship and in a communion with him that were were made to last. We lost all of that. And at the end of the day, and I want you to hear me carefully, every time you feel unsettled, Every time you feel restless and every time you feel fearful, it really isn't about whether you are accomplishing everything you should accomplish with your life. It really isn't in the end all about your uh, protecting yourself and, and making sure that life goes your way. What it really is at the end of the day when you get right to the heart of the matter is you're homesick. You have a longing and a deep groaning for the one who made you to be in his presence, to be as he meant for you to be, to be protected by him, accepted by him, cared for by him, wanted by him, expected by him. And now you know why John says in those unforgettable words at the end of his book of Revelation, he says, come quickly, Lord Jesus, come. Paul knew what it was to be homesick. John knew what it was to be homesick. You and I know what it's like to be homesick. And our groaning and our longing constantly point us to this fact. What we long for is more than anything we can find here. Finally, I want you to see that Paul shows us a fifth reality, and that is this. The home we long for, God unconditionally 
guarantees in Christ. I love the way Paul wraps this up. He says, he who has prepared us for this very thing, the God who is using suffering to prepare us for it, the God who is uh, using these temporary bodies to prepare us for this glory that includes a new resurrection body, that God who is preparing us for this very thing has given us the Spirit as his guarantee beautiful picture. Here Paul is making another declaration that God has already started now, here and now, to deliver on his promise of this new home, this this new building, this new body, this uh, means of direct fellowship with himself. You see, he says, I know all of this is true and I hold fast to this confession because I know the Holy Spirit is already at work in me. In fact, you'll remember that uh, Paul says at the end of 2 Corinthians 4, he says, yeah, my body's wasting away, but my spirit is growing stronger. How was that? It was because of the presence of God's Holy Spirit in him. The Spirit of God is given to every believer so that the work of, of, of preparing them for this new body and this new heaven and this new existence in the presence of God might start here and might start now. The new me has already begun in my soul, in my spirit, and one day it will be capped off and finished with the resurrection and the remaking of my body. The presence of the Holy Spirit is God's guarantee that the new body we need is the body we will receive when Jesus comes again. His uh, presence starts the process. When Jesus comes again, he will finish the process. And the result, Paul says, look at the beginning of verse 6. So he said, because all of this, because of these five realities, he says, we are always of good courage. Loved ones, as we bring our time to a close I want to say this to you. There is great power in knowing where you're going. There is great power in knowing where you're going. You will never be fully settled here. Don't ever expect to be. You will always be a little restless. Treat that as normal. If you're a believer, you you will never quite fit in here because you aren't like everyone else. You can't be like everyone else. You can't live your life wondering where your life should be going. You already know where it should be going, and you already know where it is going. And where your life should be going is not to the next level in your your professional experience. It's, It's not at the next level in your marriage and all those kinds of things. Where your life should be going is toward Christ, toward the, the imitation of Christ, toward conformity to Christ. And where your life is going is Jesus. You know where your life should be going and you know where your life is going. It is heading to this extraordinary time when Jesus will come again, 
when you will see him and when you will be made like him and when you will be finally home. You know, you know where you should be going, where you are going, and you know how to get there. It is by way of him who said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father. No one can come or make it home except by me. Do you know where you're going? Do you have the confidence that when your earthly tent finally fails, that your life is already hidden with Christ in God, safe and secure? Are you sure? Assurance is another gift that God gives to his people. If you don't have that assurance, then I can't think of anything more urgent for you today than to come to a clear understanding of what your relationship really is to Jesus. For your relationship with Jesus is what determines ultimately your eternity with God, your eternal relationship to God. It isn't a matter of simply knowing about Jesus. The question is, by real repentance, turning from sin, and by putting your faith in Christ and Christ alone for life, literally giving him all that you have and all that you are, the issue is, have you surrendered by repentance and faith all that you have to him so that when he sees you, he knows you as his own? To borrow a question that has been asked many, many times. If you were to die tonight, do you know where you would spend eternity? If you would say, I don't know, or I'm not sure, then what I want you to do is I want you to reach out to us. Reach out to us at info at cglife.org. Reach out to us. A pastor will reach back out to you. We want to help you be sure. We want to help you know for a certainty where you are going and what steps, if any, you need to take to be sure, to be certain that your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, if you are sure, my final challenge to you is live like you know where you're going. Live with boldness. Live with courage. Live free of those things that are around you and the circumstances that trouble others. Learn how to do that. Practice it. Live remembering. Live knowing where you're going. And when you do, you will be able to say, I am always off 
good courage. God bless you. Have a great week in Christ. Thanks for joining me today. If you enjoy these podcasts, take a moment to rate and review CG Life with Steve Kortz. My prayer is that God will continue to inspire and challenge you in Christ as week by week we apply the gospel faith to real life.